Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berquist, your host of the amazing, the awesome Women Leading the Way radio series <laughs> under Women Lead Radio. I have an absolutely delightful leading lady and guest today. I'm delighted to introduce Stephanie Cameron. She is a director of marketing for a Fortune 500 financial services company. And more than that, she is also the author of a children's book, I guess two, um, two children's books, but one called Pick and Feathers, which is really the title of our show today. So Stephanie, say hello to all of our listeners, and then we're dying to talk about Pick and Feathers. Hello, and thank you, Michelle, for having me broadcasting live from San Antonio, <laughs> Texas. Such a joy and honor to be here. Thank you. I love that. And broadcasting with you in San Diego, California. It's like it's not bad here. How is it in Texas? I got to ask you. Is it, it is awesome with the weather today or beautiful no? Beautiful day. Beautiful day. No humidity, sunny, clear skies. Nice. And all of the trees are budding green, so spring is here, and it's oh. gorgeous. I love, you know, I ha- okay, we're going to get to chicken feathers, but let's for a moment talk about Texas, because I was in Texas many moons ago, but one of the things I loved, because I'm from the Midwest, but when I was there in the spring was the butterflies that were out. It was just so amazing in the Fort Worth area. It was just like they were everywhere. Is this, this the time when butterflies come out in Texas a lot? Because I, I know it was April or maybe the end of April, beginning of May when I was there. It was just stunning. We're getting there. And I, too, grew up in the Midwest, so I do love Texas. And the springtime, the butterflies are definitely one of the favorite things. They come a little bit later. We are slow on blooms this year. Like, usually right now we have more blooms. And just because it's been Uh cold for so long, things aren't quite as, bloomy as they normally are so I think we're just a couple weeks ahead of all the butterflies but equally uh, love the hummingbirds and they are just now starting to come back as well and those are uh, one of my favorites this is the hummingbirds so I'm thinking we should just change this radio show so we talk about birds and butterflies I think that would be a good show what do you think about that one we could just go a whole show with that we're really going to talk things up. We're going to talk fast, right? Oh, my God. That's too funny. All right. Well, hello. Happy Friday in Texas or internationally because we're an international show. But I really want to know, Stephanie, this was your first children's book, if I understand correctly. And I'd love for you to kind of like set the stage. Where did the idea come from to write a children's book called Pick and Feathers? There has to be something that was inspiration here. What was it? Oh, yes. This, there was a very important inspiration. This is actually my first chapter book, 
but not my first book. It is my second children's uh-huh. book. And so the chapter book was a really new big thing for me in the chicken feathers, the launch of chicken feathers. But the inspiration literally came from my daughter, Alyssa. It is a true story. Uh, she had this <laughs> marvelous coat that we shopped forever for. And she wore it to school one time and a little guy made fun of her and for whatever reason <gasps> called her chicken feathers because it was puffy. And I don't even know where he got chicken feathers from because there was fur on the outside of the coat. It really didn't have anything to do with feathers. Oh, my God. But because he said, hey, look at this coat. You look like a chicken, chicken feathers, and like made this big scene, she refused to wear it. So that was really like the big moment, but then something pretty ironic happens throughout the story and um, she resolves her tension with him, but it's true. Everything in Chicken Feathers is a true story about my daughter. And so what was, so again, don't even get me started on this, but I'm like, I think of like chickens when they get all kind of like ruffled, you know, they get kind of riled up, their feathers make them bigger. Maybe that's where the chicken feathers came from. Who knew? But tell me about Maybe it's like the the stuffing or something on the inside, right? Like the stuffing, like the Uh, feathery, maybe you thought there was like feather stuffing on the inside because it's like puffy. So that's the only thing I can come up with. But anyway, when kids say funny things and they embarrass you, it's just yeah it doesn't go away I totally get that I'm done and so now let me understand so your your daughter didn't wear the jacket anymore but then did it make an impact long term with her on that not to spend too much time on that but I'm just like what what kind of long-term aspect happened she just stood off and the jacket was she didn't want to wear it anymore or what else I'm not sure if she ever wore that jacket anymore to tell you the truth but the real the real thing about the book that is the blessing in the story is that uh, something super ironic happened. This little guy that had teased her, we ended up rescuing his dog and housed his dog overnight, not realizing it was his dog. His dog got lost. And in searching for the owners, we figured out, that it was his house and that it was his dog that we had been loving on and taking care of. And so we returned the dog and then they went from, you know, not liking each other to total resolution. And I thought it was ironic how the real world just brought this into our life, this conflict, these bad feelings, and then doing something nice for someone that she wouldn't have ever wanted to help if she knew, you know, who it was. But the reuniting of the dog with him and the resolution that came with the, you know, kind of undoing those harmful words was such a beautiful thing that I just thought, that's crazy life and that's real and people need to hear it (laughs) yeah people just need to hear it yeah I love that now I want to go into this book and then I want to talk about your other book too because I I didn't know that was your first one but on chicken feathers which again is really fun words to say by the way so super fun you know chicken feathers um what was 
how did this collaborative book, or you said a chapter book, because you called it, how did this come about? Did someone approach you? Did you find a, you know, collection, you know, group of people that were putting a book together? Like, how did, how did you become a published author with this particular book and a chapter book? I came a published author on this chapter book because of my first book. So really what happened was being established with the publisher that took over my first book, LMA, The Courageous Cheerleader, made a way in for me to pitch this story during open review time, the all call for manuscripts. And I said, hey, Callie, I have this one. I think it fits your slice of life. Uh, side of things that you're looking for, take a look and see if this interests you. And she wrote back, absolutely. And sort of the rest was history. But really the journey about being published and getting to this book has so much to do with the start of the first book and everything I did during the time of producing, launching, networking, and bonding with readers with the first book that made a way for the second book. Wow. And can you bring up what was your first book? And, you know, that one, what was the inspiration with the first book? And and the name, of course. LMA. I know you said LMA. Yes. The cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The first book is called LMA, The Courageous Cheerleader. Both of these are on Amazon, by the way. LMA, The Courageous Cheerleader, It's a picture book, and it's a rhyming book, and it is about facing bullies with God's help and turning the other cheek in love, and it rhymes, and the illustrations are so beautifully well done. They are of a little hedgehog, and she's in school spirit wear, and it takes you through the conflict of the cheerleaders on the team and having a chance to kind of hurt over that, but then in the end being honored in the community for being the person that is gentle and kind. And that one, that inspiration was really about me. So that's a true story about me from my high school days. And I was going through this time in my life where I was sort of having sort of a spiritual awakening and I was doing some healing, do some, you know, just pursuit of releasing things in life. And one morning I woke up by myself with a cup of coffee and the house was quiet. No kids were up yet. A very rare moment in time for a working mom to have coffee and a quiet house. And all these right. words just started coming to me and I jotted them all down and I just started to scribble and I realized at the end that I had this really beautiful book that I could try to put out into the world. And that's when I started my pursuit for being published, which I know there are a lot of folks out there that have the desire to be published. And I just want to be as helpful as I can to that community and, you know, help along any way I can. Well, I'm, I'm dying to go. We are going to go. That's going to be the next thing we talk about. And I'm going to take just a quick 
sponsor break. So hang with me. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about what are some of the, you know, things you learned in publishing your first book. And, you know, I know I've published two books and I can tell you 20,000 things of what I would do differently if I did it over, right? We've learned all those. But hang on for a second. And we are going to thank one of our sponsors. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good, and they're working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good, and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And now, Ms. Stephanie, I'm back to you for our show, Chicken Feathers, which I will say that all the time now and chuckle Chicken in feathers. my head. But I got to say, <laughs> right second there is LMA, the Courageous Cheerleader. So I'm dying to know one thing before we get to, you know, kind of the process and what you've learned along the way by becoming a published author. But what is Courageous? And can you just define a little bit? And we want people to get the book. But what does Courageous Cheerleader mean? Like I'm really dying to know. Those are two great that words is just That one really right there is about having the courage to be kind when other people are not and knowing that that is not a sign Ooh. of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And turning the idea of being gentle to your adversaries is actually strong and takes courage and it's not a weak thing to do. And that was really the courage in it because it's just so easy to repay, you know, people with the same that they give you. And it's just a, it takes a lot more guts and grit to decide that you're going to be the person that holds the line emotionally and extends that hand of kindness. And I just think that messages like oh. that need to be out into the world because there's so many dark messages and I really want folks to hear some good positive messages that when you, you know, act that way and you put kindness out there that it does come back to you and it does reward you in different ways. I love that. I love that. And then, okay, no, I'm dying to know, like, is LMA like a secret friend? Was she, is that your middle name? I'm just curious, where did LMA come up? Because you're Stephanie. Oh, so who LMA, LMA, LMA I know. What a LMA cute name. was the name of my very first doll baby. <laughs> okay. She was the name of my first something. doll. Oh. And I just was like, oh, I you need it. to be LMA because, you know, I had to have the legend live on. So, yeah, she was oh, my first that doll hilarious. baby. <laughs> I would imagine LMA yeah. had a personality, too, that was like, oh, okay, that's so cute. So let's tell everybody where they can get the book. So either LMA the Courageous Cheerleader, or Chicken Feathers. I know you said they're available on Amazon. Is that where they would go and just look up the title? Is there another way you want yep. people to know how to get the book? Get the book, people. We want you to get the book, listeners. You can get the book virtually anywhere that you like to buy books because they are in the whole distribution network. So lots of people prefer Amazon, and it is there, but I've seen it on all of the Barnes and Noble and I've seen it on Target and Walmart and other places as well. You can also go to my publisher, Clearfork Publishing, 
That's Clear Fork Publishing. They are a small press in Texas near the Abilene area, which is also why I love Callie, the uh, owner (laughs) of Clear Fork Publishing, because she is a native Texan and supports Texas authors. And you can go there and check it out there as well. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. So it's Clear Forth Publishing is where they can get it. Or like everybody lives on Amazon pretty much. But yeah, go to Ticket Feathers yeah. or LMA, The Courageous Cheerleader. I'm going to go get that book. That one, I'm excited about it. Actually, both of them. But I, I, I'm going to ask you, so, there's so many people that say they want to publish a book, Stephanie. And I'm just curious with you. It's like when you first thought about doing the book and the first one was on your own, you know, how did you... How did you find the publisher? What were maybe some of the steps that you learned so many, you know, a few lessons along the way that you might share with our listeners if they're excited about publishing a book? What did you learn from the process on the first one? Yes, I'd be happy to share. The first one is the hardest because you're doing it for the first time and you're getting started. And I did a lot of research, and I get this question a lot, like how do you find a publisher? And my answer is always this. You can kind of do it one of two ways. You can try to pitch your idea through query letters to well-known, established, large press publishing houses, or you can try to do something independent where you self-publish. One of those paths require you to put your own money in and invest and launch it yourself and learn that creative process along the way, but it ensures that you have a book in market, which is the goal. You want to get that book out there into the world. The second way takes a lot more time because you have to be sort of discovered. It feels like you are auditioning for a Hollywood movie because you are sending yourself out there into the world for reviewers to take a look at your book concept and I've gotten so many no's even with the success of LMA I've got I got no's on on her that they didn't connect with the character so the way I approached it at the time was I'm going to do something that kind of is the best of both worlds and there was a company that I partnered with who are no longer in business they uh, did not survive but they were a model where you sort of self-published with them. You put money in. They helped produce the book and launch the book. And then if you got a certain level of sales, you got refunded your initial investment. And that went okay for a while. But uh, they started having distribution problems. And then oh. there, nobody could buy the book anywhere. Like it was just out of stock everywhere. It was like it was advertised, but it, wasn't, it was almost like it wasn't a real book because you couldn't buy it. When they wow. went under, I started to network and query and query. And because of all of the networking I had done at the very launch of LMA, and when I say networking, going to conferences, joining societies, joining clubs with other authors and going to book festivals, really, truly networking and investing in the community, that is what saved me because that network, when I started asking, is there a home for LMA, I got a referral to Callie at Clear Fork Publishing who said, I just saw your book 
I have, tell me more. And she picked it up and took it over and reproduced it under her wow. label very quickly. So a couple of just really important things I want everybody to know is work a path, just work a path and write and pick one of those paths and double down on it and don't give up and get that book out. You can do it your own and be very successful or you can work on the query and uh, work through all the rejections like I did and still be very successful. <laughs> but I know that your goal, your goal and your dream is to have a book available. So pick one of those paths and get to it and then network and invest in the community just like we do with Connected Women of Influence. Network and oh, share. And that's that what pushes you forward. I love that. I mean, I think there's so many, <clears throat> I want to say so many inspirational stories and so many horror stories I know, Stephanie, of people that have published a book, right? Either a great experience mm -hmm. or not, or just like what, what you don't know, you don't know. I mean, I also want to give all of our listeners a, another resource too, and I want to know who Sally is. But um, she sounds amazing, and I, I wish I could hear more publishers that are like that. But one that's great for you if you want to be an independent book author is there's an association called the Independent uh, Book Publishers Association, known as I, B, B as in boy, P as in Paul, A as an author. And it is amazing. It's got resources. It's got printers. It's got, you know, ghostwriters. It's got all the different accoutrements, you know, of how to market your book and get it set up on Amazon. And if that's what you choose to do or get into the other the bookstores and have your book in library. So just want to give that as a resource too. Stephanie, I'm going to ask you because on the first book, now am I getting it right that you said the company that published your book initially went out of business? Like was there fair warning on this or what was that like? And how did you get back the book rights to your book? Because usually it's with the publisher, I, you know, because you were going so, on such right. a, a story. Yeah. How that, what, what was yeah. that? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that is a real tricky one. So the the company that I was partnered with, because and we had a contract and I had put the money in to like get it produced, I did have some rights and access to the files. And when I saw that they were starting to lose their grip, I requested. I just in my spirit, my spirit was nudged, like, hey, you better get get some get some stuff. So I asked them for the mechanical files, the working files, which was my right as the author at the time. And uh, they sent them over and I just kept them just for that rainy day. And that rainy day did come. So I just kind of thought forward and ahead and I accessed the rights that I knew I had in my contract in the time. And I was so glad that I did because some of the authors that kind of suffered through the belly up were not as successful. So it was a little bit of proactivity and a little bit of foreshadowing and seeing that it wasn't healthy and starting to proactively plan ahead of time that, hey, I might have a hardship and have to do this a second time. And what would I want? I would want those book files. So that's what I did. And then I was able to just turn those book files on over to my new publisher, a Clear Fork, with a K, Clear Fork Publishing, and I was able to just have them take it and reformat it in their sizing preference uh, for reprint. So it was fairly seamless, but I do think that that was 
really wise thing. So whatever you do when you're getting into your contracts, make sure that you understand all of your rights, all of the things you're saying is yours, and all of the things that you are sharing rights, and all the things that is going to be the other parties, and make sure you're exercising all of your rights under those contracts. Absolutely. Good advice. Good advice. I mean, I know there's so many different scenarios. I mean, my experience was in the days before Amazon was as big as it was. So, I mean, I think we all have that. And that's what I, I, the big message you said, which I think I want to make sure our listeners get, is that, you know, make sure to network with other authors. I mean, I find the author community just amazing with resources and, you know, what, what not to do as much as here's where you go and here's what you do. So, super. Hey, before we move off of the publishing side, you know, you are juggling, if I can get to this point, you're juggling a family, a, like, work career, and author of two books. How do you how, how do you do that? And is the word work-life balance even part of your vernacular? I'm like, what? <laughs> I know, right? It sounds like a lot. Well, first of all, it's been a journey mm-hmm. over several years. I didn't do it all at once. That's really important. But there is. Uh, there is a real thing there about trying to balance all of your commitments and I do not always get it right. I get tired and burned out just like everybody else. But one of the strategies that I have to kind of like keep myself grounded is I have a vision board and my vision board, I keep Mm. close by me in my work area that I, you know, remote work remote now. And it's got pictures of the things that I want to be or focus on. It's got pictures of my books and New York Times bestselling author. It's got pictures of women standing together with briefcases and their hands on their hips. I'm a blessed, well-dressed girl (laughs) boss success. And I just try to, and I look at those images and I think about what am I focusing on so that I don't get so in the weeds with the stress of life that I forget what it is I'm striving for. And, and then I have seasons, Michelle. I have seasons where I just have to be really focused on my family and the book takes a back seat. And then I have other seasons where I get a little bit more pockets of time and I, I just take advantage of an invitation like this one. And I, you know, push things to the side and give the book some attention but fostering the part of inspiration and creativity in yourself is that critical piece to make sure that the vision of creating books or art or whatever it is that you're doing for your, your vision of your life has a chance to survive. And that's just really wow. important to be investing in that. You know, it's, you know, Stephanie, you know, I'm getting to know you too. I mean, it's a bountiful discussion as the host here today. And I'm like, I'm loving everything you're saying. And I'm going, gosh, you're, you're so inspirational. And I'm really curious for you, like, who, who inspires you? I mean, I would imagine it's fast, but who inspires you? Because you're very inspirational. Who inspires me? Uh, well, I have a very, very strong connection with my face and my faith community. Mm -hmm. And that is probably my biggest driver of just everything, grounding, strengths, deciding what I want to be when I grow up, if I ever do grow up. (laughs) 
I, I would say I asked that question uh, too. Totally <laughs> my faith and the the women in my life that are part of that faith journey with me. And that is it's a circle. It's a network. It's not one. It's not one person or one thing. It's a it's a group that's inside that theme of faith and spirituality that in just keeping me closer to God. Can I say that is the most amazing answer I've ever heard somebody say, because usually it's like when you say who inspires you or, you know, who do you like admire? It's like people will think of one person. I've never heard someone say it's like, it's a group. It's a circle of people. Oh, that is beautiful. Thank you. I think that's really a big takeaway is that you can get inspiration from different people. It doesn't have to be one. Me and you're so smart. You were just so smart. I want to wrap up because we're almost out of time, and I can't believe our time goes so fast. I think we need to have you back again, and we can talk more about Miss Ella and the doll uh, and the book. But, you know, when you think of the future, Stephanie, for you and kind of the wish list, okay, we'll say for your vision board, for your books as an author, it's like what's, what's the future look like for Ella and for Chicken Feathers? Well, I never wanted to be one and done. After I got a flavor for LMA and I started connecting with readers and I started getting feedback about how things were making a difference or entertaining or I was somewhere in an unknown house being the topic of bedtime reading, I was just so honored. And I thought, I don't want to be one and done. I can't be one and done. I have to keep going. (laughs) So the journey of keeping going kind of like I got bit by that bug, but my my dream for chicken feathers, which is, I'm in a very narrow window of time right now, but my true dream for chicken feathers is to make the list, the master reading list of the Texas Blue Bonnet Award. And I have been trying very hard to network inside that community, but the Texas Blue Bonnet Award is for a Texas author, and that is me. And you write a there you book. Go. It's a children's book, and it has to be, you know, in arrears of the past two to three. And you have to have positive reviews on a set of a series of review sites, which I have been working very hard to get, and I've secured those. But I do also need nominations and to be considered. So if there are any librarians out there, that are invested in the Texas Blue Bonnet <laughs> Award. I just want to be on the list so that kids can read a book that happened in Texas, that's true about Texas, that's fun about Texas, and gives them a gentle moral lesson about how to handle an adverse situation in the context of elementary school, which is just such a common thing. So that's my true dream is that someday I could reach Texas Blue Bonnet status, but, of course, that's a step long before a New York Times bestselling author, which is also on my vision board. So That would be pretty cool. And i got to say, I'm going to add one more to your little list. Then we need to be okay. talking to you about the National Author of Influence Award, which is part of Connected Women of Influence. So we're going to put that out there as well. So I think you should be up for a nomination for that I'm one. Wow. I need to There's look at that one. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> There you go. you got to know more about Connected Women of Influence. But, you know, last thing, if people, again, you are so wonderful. If people want to reach out to you again, how do you want to be contacted? Because I think you gave your email before. 
do that and make sure folks get Chicken Feathers by Stephanie Cameron or Ella May, the Courageous Cheerleader. But how do you want to be contacted, my dear? People want to reach you one more time. Yeah, so I'm going to make it real easy. Just send me an email, and it's stephanie.cameron, just the way it sounds, and it's, it'll be in the show notes, and that's at lmabooks.com. My LMA books, E-L-L-A-M-A-E-B-O-O-K-S, that was my original website when I first launched. So that's my domain, so stephanie.cameron at lmabooks.com, and I would love to just get an email, and I'm always happy to connect on any topic, but I do love to encourage folks that are in the book and publishing desires for your future, that world, wanting to be an author. Um, I want to be as helpful as I can because it's a really beautiful experience and I want that for you. So reach out to me. How neat is that? I love it. So let's make sure people know how to spell Stephanie too. S-T-E-P-H. A-N-I-E dot Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, at, one more time, L-M-A, book, plural, right, dot com. All right, my dear, yeah. I'm going to ask you one big Wonderful. question I asked this of all my guests. But uh, just leave, I want you to just think big and leave us with something inspirational or motivating or just something for a Friday afternoon um, as we prepare for the weekend. What's something you can inspire us with as we end the show? No pressure. Something inspiring. I want everybody to be thinking this weekend about all of the accomplishments that are happening scholastically with our youth. And be mm. just take a minute to honor the kiddos in the class of 2022. That's on my mind right now because I'm launching a senior. And last night we got <laughs> to go to high school and we got to see these kids walk the stage for summa cum laude graduates, and they're doing it during two horrible years of COVID, and I just got goosebumps, and I thought, look at our youth. We've got some really yeah. amazing survivors in our, under us that we have been, moms out there, you've been raising, and you've been working, and you've been doing education, and I just had a moment of an inspiration that we're making it. So just think about that. It's a nice time of the year to reflect that the school year is coming to a close. And for those of us who are launching kids this year, and there are a lot of us, good job. Good job for that. I just can't say that's a wow and a pow. I don't know how else to say it. That's our show. Stephanie, I want to have you back. Um, for our listeners, again, wow, go check out Chicken Feathers and LMA, the Courageous Cheerleader. So cute. I hope we have you back. To our listeners, I just want to thank you for your loyalty. I think all of you know, if you don't by now, we're here live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, and we are very swiftly and quickly growing to a daily show that is coming to you for Women Lead Radio Network. So um, after this show, for all of our listeners, if you're interested, you can get any of our shows on the subscription services like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts. You know, check them out. We've been doing our show since 2010. So to that, it's Friday afternoon. Stephanie, you're an amazing leading lady. It's Friday. Go therefore, go out. 
go create something fabulous and help the next one in line and support our youth. I love that, Stephanie. So have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you so we'll you much. Thank you, thank you. Bye, everyone. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence the premier private membership organization where life-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.